We'll try that again. Good morning, everybody. You guys can all come in and find a place so you can grab a seat. You guys can talk to each other again after the service. Have you guys been enjoying your reading through Psalms this month? It's been so good, hasn't it? Super encouraging. It's been awesome. And we're going to continue our series this morning on the pursuit of happiness. And uh, we're going to end up checking out Psalm 84. When I was in high school, I was... uh, I was working at McDonald's when I was like in 10th, 11th, and 12th grade, I worked at McDonald's, and sometimes I'd get out of school and go close, or sometimes when I got done with sports practice, they would let me go and just start my shift whenever I was done, and then I'd work there till the, the restaurant was closed. So I was working there one night, and I just finished mopping the floors, and I was like just about to walk out the door, and I heard the phone ring, and sometimes the store manager would call and make sure everything was okay. So I thought, ah, I better go back and make sure it's not him. So I went back and I answered the phone. It wasn't the store manager, it was a friend of mine. And uh, he asked me if I could come pick him up. He was at a party and he had had a little bit too much to drink. And uh, he wasn't in any condition to drive home, so he asked me if I could pick him up. So I said, sure. So I picked him up and I was going to take him home, but he didn't really want to go home right away. Probably didn't want his parents to know he was drinking. So he wanted to go kind of walk that off for a little bit. So we ended up going to the football field. I'm not sure why he wanted to go to the football field. So we were just kind of walking around the football field, talking for a little bit. And after a while, he sat down in the center of the football field. He had just played a game there a little while ago. He sat down in the center of the football field and he laid on his back. And he looked up at the stars and he said, do you think there's more to life? And I said, what what do you mean? He said, do you think there's more than like just going to school every day and then going home and going to sleep, and then eventually going to work every day and going home and going to sleep, and then one day dying. He said, do you think there's more to life than that? He said, do you think God is real? And we ended up talking about God that night. And I've thought about that night a lot of times since then. I'm wondering, like, you know, what exactly happened that night? What I think happened that night is my friend had a few beers, and his kind of rigid persona that he always kind of kept up, his front that he always had on, kind of melted away, and his filters kind of melted away. You know how sometimes that can happen. And when that happened, his spirit started verbalizing its homesickness. His spirit started to wonder, is there a God out there? And does that God want to have a relationship with me? I don't know if you've ever been homesick. I haven't been homesick very often, but I can remember one specific time that I was. I was 16, and I'd gone on a missions trip to Europe. And I think we were gone, I think I was gone from home for like two months. Um, We had a month of training that we did. Then we had some travel days. Then we were in Europe for like five or so, six weeks, something like that. And we had some travel days, and then we had a little debrief time. And on this missions trip, it was a, a group of basketball players, and we joined the European Professional Summer Tour. So we jumped in their summer league, and we played basketball with them, and they would give us the halftime show. So Americans, everybody asks us, do you know Michael Jordan? No, I don't know Michael Jordan. So they'd give us the halftime show, and we would share the gospel, and then we'd do things in the community throughout the day to tell people about the Lord and that sort of thing. And we had gotten to the last week of our trip, and man, I was ready to be home. We were supposed to be staying in a hotel, but we got to the hotel, and the hotel didn't have our, our booking at all, and so we couldn't stay in the hotel. It was totally booked for something else. And uh, so we ended up crashing on the floor in a church, laying on concrete, sleeping at night with these little tiny thin pads that were basically nothing. 
So I can remember laying on, those, laying on those pads at night, trying to go to sleep and thinking like, man, I just want to be home. I want to eat some desavos and go to sleep. Like that's all I want in life right now. I want to be home, right? Desavos pizza wasn't even good. It could kill you, but I still liked it and wanted it, you know? It isn't just our physical bodies that get homesick. Our spirits can get homesick. Our spirits were designed to be in relationship with God but so many times we ignore our spirits. In Genesis chapter 2, we see God takes dust. He literally takes dust on the ground, gathers it together, and creates the first man. He creates Adam. He creates a body out of dust. It's amazing. But then he takes that body that's dead and lifeless, and he breathes life into that body. When he breathes life into that body, man has all of a sudden a soul and a spirit. God makes us material, our bodies, and immaterial, our souls and our spirit. We're super aware of our bodies. Like, how many of you in like about a half an hour, you're going to start getting hungry and be real aware of your body's needs? Like, when I get hungry, I get a little hangry, and like, my body's like, hey, it's time to eat. Or sometimes, like, if I don't eat for a long time, I can get like lightheaded and faint and like, my body has needs, and I'm very, very aware of the needs that my body has. Or if you get hurt, like you twist an ankle or something, like, it's like you can hardly think about anything else. I can remember one time, I was actually working with Jack Wilson. I was 16, right around that same time, and I hit my thumb with a hammer really, really hard, swinging the hammer like as hard as I could. I laid in bed that night, and I, the, we could have been at war, and I wouldn't have even known it. Like, all I could think about was my thumb that was just pounding. I went and woke my dad up at, like, 3 in the morning. I said, like, I need you to get a drill and drill through my thumb. Like, it has to happen. The pressure has to be relieved. Like, anybody who's done that before knows that feeling. It's like, I couldn't even think about anything else because I was so aware of my body and my needs. We tend to ignore our souls so when we're, when we're young, we're actually very, very aware of our souls, and kids don't have filters, and they don't know what they should and shouldn't say, so they just verbalize or somehow find some way to express the needs of their soul. But as we get older, we tend to stuff down the needs of our soul. We're actually going to talk about that specifically in a couple weeks. But then there's this other part of us, which is our spirit. It's probably the most ignored part of us. It's the part of us that was designed to be in communion and relationship with God all the time. Every single one of you has a soul, and you have an option in life whether or not you will let your soul have what it wants and needs, which is to be in communion and relationship with God, or you will simply ignore your soul. We were designed to be weak and to have an insatiable appetite for God in our spirit, that our spirit is constantly designed to be in communion with him, to interact with him, to have a deep relationship with him. You were designed to, to know God in a really significant, deep way. And sometimes we'll get a glimpse of our spirit. Oftentimes we ignore it, but sometimes we'll get a glimpse of it. Oftentimes, the places that humans tend to get glimpses of their spirit and their homesickness is when they're around things that God created. Maybe you're around a sunset, and maybe you've seen a hundred sunsets before, but this one just hits a little different, and you look at that sunset, and it's like something inside of you in your spirit says, 
there's a God who made everything that I see, and I know I'm designed to be in relationship with him. April and I were on our honeymoon, and we were in St. Thomas. And the way the port is in St. Thomas, if you've been there, like there's the port, and then it goes up real quick, and there's like cliffs with all these houses on them, and then there's like a lookout point up high. And we went up there. We took a, a tour and went up there. And we were up there when the sun was setting. And like we're standing up there watching this beautiful sunset. It was incredible. I wanted to worship. But not only did I want to worship, people around me wanted to worship. People who probably didn't even know there was a God or didn't believe in God. We're standing on top of this huge hill and I can hear people shouting and clapping and cheering for this beautiful sunset. What they don't know is their spirit is homesick when they're doing that. They're longing to be with their creator, with God. Maybe you climb a mountain, you get to the top of the mountain, your, your body is like exhausted, but you look out at this vast view, and somewhere inside of you know, there's a God who's very, very real, and I was made to be in relationship with him. Maybe for you it was when your child was born. Your child is born, you watch your child take its first breath on the outside, and you look at this child, and the stuff you feel in your heart you've never even felt before, you don't even know how to put it into words, and you realize there's a God that feels this way about me. And I was designed to be in relationship with him. My prayer this morning is that when you leave this place, you would be much more aware of your spirit. My prayer this morning is that those of you whose spirits have been ignored for way too long, have been dormant, have been asleep, would come to life. Amen? We're going to continue our look through the Psalms. We're going to look at Psalm 84. And see what this scripture has to speak to us about our spirit. Psalm 84 says, How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. Anytime you see hosts, we don't really use that word anymore. You could replace it with armies. How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of armies. My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young, even your altars, O Lord of armies. My King and my God, blessed or happy are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord God of armies, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. O God, behold our shield and look upon his face, upon the face of your anointed. Verse 10, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than dwell in the tent of the wicked. For the Lord God is the sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of armies, blessed is the man who trusts in you. So I'm going to take this scripture, I'm going to break it into four sections. Each section starts with a thought, then it has a result, then it has a response, and then from that I'm going to draw a point out of that. Verses 1 through 2, the thought is, I love this place. The result is soul longing. The response is it makes me sing for joy, and the point that I pull from that is longing for God. 
verses 3 through 5, the thought is, everyone has a home. I want my home to be here is the result. The response, everyone sings your praises. The point is traveling to God. Verses 6 through 9 talks about deserts and lakes. The result is strength to strength. The response is, God, my shield, and the point is trusting in God. And then verses 10 through 12, the thought is, he is better. The result is, I would be a doorkeeper. The response is, blessed is the man who trusts. And the point is in being in the presence of God. Do you long for more of God? Do you want more of God? How about attending church? I don't don't really know what attending church is like for you. I know what it's like for me. I've usually been here for like five hours or six hours by the time you guys roll in. I got to remember like you guys are still waking up and I'm like, I've been here praying and ready to go. I got to be easy on you. But how do you feel about going to church? Is there an excitement in you when it comes to coming to church? When you miss church, is there something in you that feels sad, like I miss something I want to be a part of? Whether you're excited about attending church or not, this morning I want to tell you that if we do church the way that God intends us to, I believe it's something that we can all be super excited about. Church is a place where fellowship can happen with other believers. It's a place where you can experience connection with God. It's a place where you can draw near to the Holy Spirit. It's a place where you can be ministered to, a place where you can be encouraged. It's a place where you can feel God's presence. It's a place where God should be exalted. It's also a place where we can get a taste of heaven. If you're excited to be in heaven one day, you should be excited to go to church because church is like a dress rehearsal for heaven. And when I'm talking about church, I'm not talking about shaking a few people's hands and putting a fake smile on your face muttering through a few worship songs and trying to stay awake through a long-winded sermon. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not what I think church should be like, and that's also not what I believe heaven is going to be like. I'm convinced that if we are going to make church what God intended it to be, it has to start with each one of our hearts. If you expect church to be boring, you can go ahead and plan on church being boring. But if you expect it to be exciting, if you expect to receive a touch from heaven, if you expect to have hope and life breathe into you, if you expect to experience the Holy Spirit, guess what? That might be exactly what you get. If we want church to be what God intends it to be, it has to start with a change in our hearts. I want to start by looking at verse 1 and 2 of Psalm 84. This morning, it speaks about longing for God. It says, How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of armies! My soul longs, yes, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. The word that's translated soul there in Psalms is actually speaking to the deepest place of you, the deepest place of who you are. And the word cry out, the psalmist used, has the picture in it of a child, a baby, that's crying who's hungry. I don't know how many of you guys have been around babies that are crying when they're hungry, but it's a full body experience. Like they clinch their fists and they curl their toes and they arch their back and they scream like they're being murdered, but they're just hungry. That is the picture that the psalmist is painting. Imagine you left someone you love. And you don't know when you're going to see him again, and you're away for a while, but finally, you're going to get to see this person that you love again. 
You might cry, you might jump up and down, you might shout, like your body might be vibrating with excitement. This is what the psalmist, this is the picture the psalmist is painting of his longing for God. One of the core values of Family Life Church is worship. And I got to tell you, I love to worship God. Do you love to worship God? This is who we are as a church. We are a church of worshipers. Like on mornings like this morning where I'm behind a soundboard, sometimes I feel like I'm held back. I'm encumbered from worshiping in the way that I want to. I'm still happy to do a job and to serve, but I can't dance. I can't sing. I can't lift my hands and shout in the way that I want to, but I want to praise God in that way because he is so good. He's been so faithful to me, so much better than I deserve. There's a longing inside of me to be in his presence. What are you doing to cultivate a longing for God in your life? What are you doing to cultivate a longing for God? If I was talking to a couple that was struggling in their marriage, I might talk to them about how to cultivate feelings in their relationship for each other again. I might give them a list of things they could do to try, to work on, to, to begin to stir up those feelings that are in their heart. What are you doing in your relationship with God to cultivate longing for his presence? This psalmist here cultivated a longing for God that makes him so excited to go to church and be in God's presence. The next thing that we see in this portion of Scripture is the psalmist talks about traveling to God. This is in verses 3, 4, and 5. It says, Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. Even your altars, O Lord of armies, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. This psalm, if you look in your Bible, at the top of it, it'll probably be called a psalm of ascent. This, song was, this psalm was written by the sons of Korah. The sons of Korah are Levites. So we have the children of Israel wandering around in the wilderness, headed towards the promised land, and the Levites were a small group <clears throat> of those people that were worship leaders. They loved to worship God, and they spent time worshiping him. And they would follow around the Ark of the Covenant, leading people in songs of worship. The Ark of the Covenant held God's presence, and it represents God's presence. David takes the tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant, to Jerusalem, to Mount Zion. On top of Mount Zion, he sets up the tabernacle, which holds the Ark of the Covenant. It represents God's presence. So this psalm is called a psalm of ascent, because the sons of Korah are talking about climbing that hill, going uphill from the place they are, headed towards Jerusalem, to the place that they can go to worship God, heading to what they would have called a temple, but we would call it today a church. They're headed to church, they're traveling to meet God, and they're singing a song that is cultivating hunger in their heart for more of God. They're singing this song about longing to be in his presence, about what it's like to be in his presence. They're singing this song, Cultivating a Hunger for God. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever come to church in a minivan with your family in the back of it, but man, that can be a trip, let me tell you. 
I mean, if there's a time for spiritual warfare, that is it. And that sounds like a joke, but I actually could not be more serious. Sunday morning actually is, Saturday night and Sunday morning, this is a time for spiritual warfare in your life. The enemy of your soul does not want you to be here. He will do anything he can to stop you from coming to this place, to be in God's presence, to worship, to be refreshed, to be renewed, to see God the way that you need to, to see your family the way that you need to, to see work the way that you need to. He will do anything he can to stop you from coming and being there. I've talked to lots of couples who have told me some of their worst fights have been in the car Sunday morning on the way to church. It's brutal, and if you're honest, you're probably one of them because the enemy uses the same tactic on all of us. If he can get us to the place where we're getting out of bed, we're getting ready, and we're like, you know what, this is pointless. I'm not even going to get anything out of church anyways. I'm going back to bed. Like, this is stupid. That is the plan of the enemy for, to attack you on Sunday mornings. You can get your kids dressed and out the door every other day to school, like, no big deal, but come Sunday morning, they will be so crazy, you will begin to wonder if your children are possessed by demons. Like, it will be out of control, meltdown, like you've never seen before. This is normal on Sunday mornings because the enemy doesn't want you to be here. If you struggle with pain in your body, you can pretty well guarantee it's going to be worse on Sunday morning. If you struggle with discouragement or depression, going to be worse on Sunday morning. The sons of Korah know that and they see that and they say, I am not going to fall to this temptation to give up and quit to go to the house of the Lord where I can be in his presence. We have Nick up here playing the drums most Sunday mornings. He's very coordinated. It takes a lot of coordination to play the drums. Most days, he has enough coordination that he can take his coffee, put it in his car, go down to the mattress store and sell some mattresses. Like He's got, he's got enough coordination to do that, but not on Sunday mornings. <laughs> Last Sunday morning, Nick went to get in the car. He's got his coffee in his hand. He gets in the car. He drops his coffee. He swings his other hand to catch the coffee. Instead of catching it, he hits it. The lid comes off. There's coffee all over his car. By the time he finally got to church, we didn't even have worship practice. We had to have an altar call. He had to get saved again before we could have worship. Like It was quite the scene, let me tell you. The sons of Korah know this is the kind of thing that is going to happen on Sunday morning. The enemy does not want you to be here because he knows you have a spirit that was designed to be in communion with God, and he's going to do anything he can to stop you from getting here. The sons of Korah say, you know what? If we're going to make it to church with coffee stains on our church, with a burn on my cheek from coffee, I'm still going to get there, and the way that I'm going to get there is I'm going to sing this song on the way to church to cultivate hunger in my heart for that which is important. What my spirit needs is communion with God. It would do us well to be careful what our Sunday mornings look like, to not play around with it, to not go through it lackadaisically. A long time ago, April 9, when we first got married, we've been married for just a couple months, and we started leading worship here on Sunday mornings. We lived in Lima. And a few times we were driving here, and it was like we had both been busy throughout the week working and doing different stuff, and we'd have something that we were frustrated about. We were newly married, just figuring out how to do this thing. And we'd pick Sunday mornings, I don't know why, we were in a car for 45 minutes, I guess, to talk about that thing that we were frustrated about. Sometimes we'd end up having a fight, 
wouldn't go so well. Then we got to stand up and lead worship. Try and worship through gritted teeth, like leaning over to and worship. Babe, I'm sorry. We'll talk about it later. Will you forgive me? Better is one day in your, you know. We decided we're not talking about anything serious on Sunday morning. Whatever we want to talk about, whatever struggle we're facing, whatever thing we've got going on, it can wait till Sunday afternoon. Not only did that protect our Sunday morning and protect us getting to the house of the Lord in a position to be ready to worship, but then we met with God on Sunday morning, and that conversation went a lot better on Sunday afternoon. We have to learn to protect what God, where God is taking us and what he wants to do. One small thing I want to point out here is also during the pandemic, we had an extended period of time where the church was shut down and we were kind of, some of us kind of got used to not coming to church. And then there was also times where um, everyone had kind of different perspectives and there was some people that stayed home for a longer period of time and I'm not judging you or shaming you for that or, or anything like that. But some of us got way too accustomed to watching church in our SpongeBob pajamas with a cinnamon roll in one hand and a coffee in the other. And that just kind of became normal. That became the normal that we accepted. But I'm telling you, your spirit is never going to experience what it needs to experience when you're isolated from the body of Christ. There's a body that we are called to be a part of. You need to be plugged in because that is the place where you're going to experience God. Growing up, I learned as a, a Pentecostal, I learned that God is everywhere. That was something that was like taught in Sunday school. God's omnipresent. He's everywhere. And that is true. God is everywhere. And you can meet with God everywhere, but it's not the same as when we come together and God manifests his presence when we come together in a way that is more powerful than when we are alone. And I want to encourage you to not get sucked into the SpongeBob pajamas trap, set down your cinnamon roll, and come to church. Come engage. Come be a part. Come find a place to serve. Come find a place to get plugged in. Come find a place so you can serve others, you can encourage others, you can be encouraged yourself, and you can meet with God. The next thing in this psalm that the sons of Korah are singing about is trusting in God. This is in verses 6, 7, 8, and 9. So as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. The Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. O God, behold our shield and look upon the face of your anointed. The sons of Korah are boasting in their trust for God. They talk about going through the Valley of Baca. We don't exactly know what the Valley of Baca is. There's not a whole lot about it in the Bible. Most theologians believe it was a place that suffered from drought. It represents the dry places, the hard places in our life. And then in verse 5, it says, Happy is the man whose strength is in God. We're going to talk about our bodies in a couple weeks and talk about strengthening our bodies, the importance of taking care of our bodies. But here we see, happy is the man whose strength is in God. If you devoted the rest of your life to working out, to building up the strength of your body, it will still be limited. It will only get you so far. But we're designed to have our spirits connected to God in an intimate relationship, connected to a God who has unlimited strength, a God who is all-powerful. No matter how strong you are, 
There will come a day where you will face things that require more strength than what you have. And in those moments, we need to be sure that our spirits are connected to God. Verse 6 says, they go through the valley of Baca, the desert land, and they make a spring. Now, what's interesting to me is they go through a land that probably suffers from drought. And they, you know, if, if I come into that place, I feel like it's my temptation to just complain about the fact that there's no spring there, to complain about the fact that there's no nourishment. But they don't just sit there and complain about the fact that there's no spring. They literally make a spring in the place. They make a place of nourishment. They make a place of life. And some of you, and you're in your lives right now, you feel like you're in a place that's dry. And you're just sitting there complaining like, man, there's no nourishment for me here. If you're connected to God, you can find a place of nourishment. You can find a spring in the driest of valleys. And this is they go from strength to strength. That's not normal. Normally you go from strength to weakness. Maybe you start a workout and you're feeling real strong and you start hitting it hard. By the time you're done, you usually don't feel stronger. Usually you like crawl out of the gym like I just whooped my body so bad. I don't feel stronger after I'm done working out. I feel weaker. But here it says they go from strength to strength. Again, because their spirit is connected to God, they can, they can go into a situation that's hard and not be depleted and have more strength for what's ahead. Then he says, here, he says give ear, O God of Jacob. This is a, a statement of bold faith. He really is demanding God to hear him. Like, how in the world can he do that? How can he be so confident that God will hear his prayer? One, because he's connected to God in an intimate relationship. And second, he says, O God of Jacob. In other words, I am praying to the God that's heard my ancestors' prayers all the way back to Jacob. And then he says five words that if, if nothing else, if we just believe these five words, I believe it would change all of our lives forever. He says, O God, behold our shield. O God, behold our shield. That means the mighty God, the God that made everything that we see around us, that breathed this world into existence with just a word, that God is your shield. Do you believe that the all-powerful, magnificent God is your shield? If you did, I believe it would change your life. The stuff that you worry about, the stuff you're afraid about, would seem very, very small when the God of the universe is your shield. In other words, he's not going to let anything into your life that's not going to end up being a blessing to you. He will take the, the things the enemy throws at you to try and destroy you. He'll turn them around and use them for your good and his glory. What do you worry about that seems justified when you see that the shield that you go to war with is God himself? Probably nothing. The things we worry about, the things we fret, so much time wasted in our lives worrying when we have the God of the universe as our shield. The next thing we see is they talk about being in the presence of the Lord. This is in verse 10 through 12. It says, For a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. 
O Lord of armies, blessed or happy is the man who puts his trust in you. This is such a well-written psalm. It's an, an amazing psalm. They're singing this song to each other on their way to church. This is the song they're singing to cultivate hunger in their hearts for the presence of God as they journey to church. Singing it for their families to hear, singing it for everyone around them to hear. He says, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than in the tents of wickedness. The doorkeeper in those days didn't even actually get to go into the house of the Lord. He's saying, I'd rather just be on the edge of the house of the Lord, doing a menial job that needs to get done, opening the door for other people to go in. I'd rather be in that place than in the lavish tents of the wicked because he knows, because of his relationship with God, that it really is God that fulfills him. Each one of you has a spirit. When God breathed into man, a spirit was inside of us. It's probably the most ignored part of us. So many things in our life are the fruit of us ignoring our spirit. Our spirit has a need. Our spirit is expressing homesickness, a desire for relationship and communion with God. And we go and try and meet that need by doing something else. We go and eat food to try and meet that need. All these kind of things that we do in our life to feed our body to try and meet the need that our spirit has for communion with God. The sons of Korah knew that it was a deep relationship with God that they needed. They knew that that would become the foundation for their life, that nothing else would satisfy, nothing else would fulfill them if they didn't first have this relationship with God. I want to end this morning just by going back for a second to verse 3. It says, Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself. I did a little bit of reading about these two birds this week, and as it turns out, a sparrow is said to be a bird of insignificance, and a swallow is called a bird of restlessness. What this verse is saying is that if you feel small or insignificant, there's a place for you here in the house of God. If you feel restless in your heart, like you're just kind of going around from thing to thing, trying a bunch of stuff, trying to find fulfillment, trying to find joy, for the restless person, there's a place for you in the house of God, a place where you can find communion with God, which is what your spirit, the deepest place of you, is actually crying out for all the time. I want to end this morning. I've, I've asked some leaders from the church if they could join me in praying for people. And if, if I asked you to do that, if you could just come up, I would appreciate it. And what I want to do is I want to make an opportunity for those of you that say, you know what? I have been ignoring my spirit for way too long. I've been all too aware of my body's needs, but I haven't really been paying attention to my spirit. Some of you who are worshipers who have fallen asleep at the wheel, it's like you know inside of you there's this cry for relationship with God. There's this cry for communion with God. But that thing has kind of gone dormant. It's like hibernating. You're like a worshiper that's hibernating on the inside. You're very, very aware of your physical needs, but you've ignored your spiritual needs. I want to make an opportunity for you to respond this morning, come up and receive prayer, just to say, God, I want my spirit to awaken. I don't want to ignore what my spirit needs. I don't want to try and fulfill those desires in all kinds of other things. 
I know you made me to be a worshiper. I know it. I can feel it inside. Sometimes when I see a sunset or a sunrise or maybe when I held my baby for the first time or I climb a mountain and I look at this beautiful display and something inside me says, I know I was made for a relationship with this God who made everything that I see around me. I'm going to close in prayer, and if you want to respond, you can go ahead and come forward and receive prayer this morning. If you have to go, there's no judgment in that. I understand that. We bless you. Lord, I thank you so much for each person that's here this morning, for each person who has a spirit inside of them, a spirit that they might not even be aware of. Some of us are aware of it to one degree or another, but probably none of us are aware of it as much as we need to be. Some of us, our spirits have been like just hibernating. We've had different times where our spirit has like raised its hand and said, hello, I'm here, pay attention to me. I need to have a relationship with God. But other times we just ignore it, we stuff it down, we use other things to cover it up. Lord, there's people here this morning that are worshipers. They know they are, but they have been in hibernation. And this morning you're calling them to wake up. Lord, I ask for each of us that you would awaken our spirits, that we would dive deep into a relationship with you, that we would become the foundation for everything in our life. Awaken us, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. If you want to respond, you can go ahead and come forward. And if you need to go, that's okay too. Bless you. Have an awesome week.